This is Orson Welles on the Air, featuring the old-time radio performances of the legendary Orson Welles. On this episode of Orson Welles on the Air, we'll hear again from the lives of Harry Lime, a series that aired from August of 1951 to July of 1952. It produced 52 episodes. Our story today is from January 18, 1952. It's titled, Double Double Cross. Here's the lives of Harry Lyme. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man. With Zither Music by Anton Karras. Tracy, Trey friends, she could have been, and for a while I almost kidded myself she was, the great romance of my life. But as Shakespeare, as somebody said once, dames is poison, likewise dolls, and believe me, the honey on those soft red lips of hers was laced with pure, unadulterated strychnine. Today's story, The Double Double Cross. Monte Carlo, 1936. The sucker season was at its peak, and by an odd coincidence, my pockets were fuller than they'd been for a long time. Yes, life was looking pretty good. But even at that, not half so good as the licorice-eyed brunette I found sitting next to me at the casino one night. Faites vos jeux, messieurs et mesdames. Faites vos jeux, s'il vous plaît. Rien ne va plus. That was me. I drew in my winnings. Lady Luck was sure smiling on me, just as she was frowning on the girl beside me. This girl had backed half a dozen losers or more in a row, and now her last chips were gone, she was fumbling in her handbag. Here was chivalrous Harry's big chance. I asked politely if there was anything I could do to help. Thank you, monsieur. You are very kind, but I, I seem to have mislaid my checkbook. I'm afraid I shall have to give up for tonight. Oh, you can't quit when you're so much down. I have no choice. Nonsense. Here, take the stack of chips. Oh, but, monsieur, Please I... go on. No, monsieur, I would not dream of... I'm a complete stranger. I'm just alone. But if I lose again, I may not be able to repay you. Oh, can't that. Please, take it. If you insist. I certainly do. Thank you, monsieur. Faites bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. I'll put the lot on 21. The lot? Sure. But is that prudent? To a successful gambler, mademoiselle, the word prudent doesn't exist. When you got a hunch, play it. Bring it hard. And you have a, a hunch about 21? Yeah, I have. Maybe I'm in your hands. I do as you say. There. Good. Faites vos jeux, s'il vous plaît. Rien ne va plus. 
Numéro 21. Rouge. I have one. What did I tell you? Oh, you must be very lucky, monsieur. I'm beginning to think I am. What should I choose this time? This time, let's see, 17. All right, 17. Well, that's how I met Louise. By 11 o'clock, we were both good winners and good friends. We decided to call it a night and strolled out into the casino gardens, then after a while down to the seafront one of those clear blue summer evenings that poets write sonnets about, and to my amazement, I found myself getting kind of sentimental. Tell me about yourself, Harry. Well, there's not a great deal to tell. Oh, you are too modest. Oh, I could think of a few people who'd laugh heartily to hear that. What brings you to Monte Carlo? Business or pleasure? Well, a little of each, I guess. What is your business? I'm a collector. What do you collect? Objets d'art. How interesting. Of any particular oh, kind? Anything that appeals to my sense of beauty. Do you often make a find? Sometimes. Tonight, for instance. Thank you. That is a very nice compliment. Uh, it's a little corny, but it has the rare virtue of being sincere. What about yourself, Louise? Do you live here in Monte? No, I am on holiday. I come from Paris. I might have guessed it. What part? Neuilly. Married? Is that important? Oh, it could be. Yes, I, I have a husband. It's customary for a woman to sound a little more enthusiastic when she says that. I would rather not talk about him, if you don't mind. No, it's like that, isn't it? Yes. There's a cold breeze coming in from the sea. I, I must return to my hotel. So soon? I'm very tired. Oh, I'm sorry I've kept you out too long. Which way from here? Oh, please, you must not trouble yourself. I'll be all right alone. You don't think you can walk out of my life like that, do you, Louise? It would be more prudent. I've already told you there's no such word. Let's go. I'm not the sort of guy who won't take a chance, but usually if there's one thing I steer clear of, it's jealous husbands. Yet tonight, somehow, it was different. I felt well, sort of reckless. Maybe it was that perfume Louise wore. Maybe it was the moonlight. I don't know. Anyway, almost before I'd realized it, we were at the door to her suite, and she'd opened it. Would you uh, like to come in for just one drink? Well, I... No, perhaps it would be better not. Good night, Harry. Oh, oh well, uh, when am I going to see you again? I, I don't know. I think perhaps I will return to Paris tomorrow. Why? It would be wise. Oh, no, you mustn't. But I... You can't just part... We can't... You mustn't go away like this while Louise, you're crying. It's nothing. Nothing at all. I guess I will have that drink after all. Oh, no, Harry, please. You did ask me, you know. After you. You will find cigarettes in that box. Thanks. Uh, what would you like? Champagne? I don't care. Listen, Louise, you and I have got to talk this thing out. There's nothing to be said. You bet there is plenty. You realize what's happened, don't you? Will you uh, open this bottle, please? Sure. Shall I pour? If you please. Here are the glasses. What has happened, Harry? Uh, I don't know. Yes, we've fallen in love. No. Yes. But it is impossible. Why? We're strangers. Three hours ago, we'd never spoken to mm, each what other. What can happen in three hours? Oh, even now, we know nothing of each other. Nothing whatever beyond our Christian name. So what? It's against all common sense. Why did common sense have anything to do with love? No, 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 it's absurd. You don't believe that. Look at me, Louise. You don't believe it's absurd. You know it's true. You do know, don't you? Oh, Harry... I love you, Louise. Hold me tight. Oh, it's all so strange, so wonderful. What is this miracle that's happened? A pretty picture. Uh, oh, who are you? Forgive me if I interrupt. Pierre. You've got a nerve bursting in like this. Indeed, monsieur. You know this girl, Louise? Oh, yes, she knows me quite well. Tell him who I am, Louise. He is... He is... Go on, do not keep the gentleman in suspense. He is my husband. What? You didn't tell me he was here in Monte. A regrettable oversight, I'm sure. I'm sorry, Harry. I have no doubt the gentleman is sorry, too. The point is, what is to be done about it? Well, naturally, I... 
I apologize. That but... is very generous of you. And I assure you, your wife is altogether blameless in this little affair. Oh, you Americans are so gallant. Well, now, if you'll excuse me, Not I just, so fast, uh... monsieur. There is much to be said yet. Oh? What, for instance? Uh, this may be just a passing incident to you, but does it not occur to you that you have ruined my whole life? I don't get you. You make love to my wife. I've always well, believed I her faithful to me, I... but now you kill my trust in her. You destroy the whole fabric of our marriage. Oh, now, look here. If you were a gentleman, the least you could do would be to offer some compensation for the harm you have done. Uh, what kind of compensation? Let us say uh, 200,000 francs. Are you kidding? I assure you, I am very much in earnest. You seem to forget one thing, monsieur. Oh, what's that? If this story were to get out, it would create an unpleasant I scandal. You would not wish that, I'm sure. I think you care. A blackmail, is that it? Call it yeah. what you will, monsieur. Okay, go ahead. You may find it hard to prove, though. Louise and I both deny it. <laughs> but Louise is a very truthful person. She would not deny it, would you, my dear? You did? Kiss me, Harry. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. So now we know exactly where we stand. <laughs> no, I'm surprised at an apparently smart pair like you two. I do not understand. Oh, I admit it's a neat little racket. It pays as well as most, but you should pick your marks a little more care, you know. So now you insult us both, eh? Is that possible? Monsieur, it is intolerable. Relax, both of you. About time you learn my surname, Louise. It's Lime. Not Lime. Not Harry Lime. In the flesh. Too much and we tried to. <laughs> it's too <absurd>. <laughs> <laughs> You must forgive us, monsieur. We, we, we had no it idea. It was you who picked him out of the casino. Uh, but how was I to know? He has about him such an air of naivete and innocence. I find it helps with the suckers. <laughs> A million apologies, my friend. And for me, too. <laughs> okay. And to think that you are the famous Harry Lime. Mm. Well, it is a very great honor to meet you, monsieur. This is a big occasion. We must drink to celebrate it. A toast. To you, oh, my no. friend. No, no, no. Let's let's both drink to Louise. To hmm? me? To the greatest actress in Europe. <laughs> Frankly, I was never more completely fooled in my life. <laughs> well, to Louise. Louise. Tell me, is this your regular racket? Oh, not at all. Merely the, what you might call a seasonal side. Oh, it, it helps to pay off summer expenses. Oh, well, what's your specialty? We are interested in anything that promises a profit. Oh, who isn't? In point of fact, monsieur, if you happen to be free at the moment, it occurs to me we may be able to do business together. Uh-huh. I have recently had a proposition, uh, but it is not an undertaking for a woman. It, it needs two men. Well, let's hear about it. As you know, American dollars are easy to obtain on the continent and very difficult in England. There is a strong demand for them in London and a big profit for anyone who can smuggle them in. Guess there must be. The English customs are difficult, but it can be done. You see, among my other accomplishments, I am a qualified pilot. Now, here's the proposal. A certain gentleman in London is prepared to advance money for me to buy dollars here. At a date and time to be arranged, this gentleman will wait in a car at a place called Ilfrat Moor in Devon. A plane will fly overhead, a passenger will parachute out, his pockets and the tragic case filled with dollars. Mm. Uh, he will be met by the gentleman who will collect the money and drive him to London, and from there he can make his way back at leisure to France. Well, what do you think? No. It's not simple? I'm sure it's a honey of an idea, but... But what? But what? Well, presumably I'm the guy who's supposed to float through the air with the greatest of ease. Hmm? Exactly. Well, that's not so good. You are not afraid, Harry. Well, not at all, but I prefer my neck the way it is, uh, unbroken. <laughs> it is true there is an element of danger, but it is very slight. Surely it's a small risk to take for a, a thousand pounds. thousand pounds? Uh-huh. You say there's that much? A thousand pounds? Oh, but yes. And what is more, if the first venture succeeds, there will almost certainly be others. Oh, that's different. Then it is a bargain? Okay. When do we start? Okay. <laughs> 
a moment, Orson Welles returns as Harry Lyme, the third man. Orson Welles, as Harry Lyme, the third man, continues in today's story, The Double Double Cross. Well, we all went to Paris next day, and Pierre got busy organizing his end of the business. About a week later, we drove to a little place outside Cherbourg, where Pierre had a two-seater plane housed in a converted barn. And next morning, we took off. We crossed the English coast near Torquay. Pierre handed me a number of bundles, carefully wrapped, tied, and sealed, and I filled my pockets and stuffed the overflow into a small leather case. I had just done checking my parachute when Pierre called to me. This is Ilfred Moore now. Are you ready? All right. I guess so. There's no need to be nervous. That's all right for you. I'm the guy who's going to make the jump. Think of the thousand pounds. I am. Hard. All you have to do is to count five and then pull the lift cord. It's quite simple. Oh, sure, sure. Nothing to it. All right. Now! I took a deep breath and jumped. One, two, three, four, five. The funny part is he was right. It was quite simple. That was kind of fun, floating around the sky, seeing the earth drift up gradually to meet you. As I landed and slipped off my harness, a couple of guys stepped forward from behind a clump of bushes. Are you from Pierre? That's right. I'm Robert Brand. This is my assistant, Jerry. I'm glad to know you both. You've got the stuff? You don't figure I made that jump for the fun of it, do you? Have you got the stuff? Sure, sure. Come on, you can pass it over and I'll check it in the car. Gather up this parachute, Jerry. We'll get going. Yes, sir. Didn't take me two minutes to find out this brand was tough. The English gentleman type, but hard as iron. Pierre might have warned me. While his assistant drove us toward London, he and I sat in the back of the car, and I handed him each a packet, checked the seals, and then opened it and carefully counted every note. It took an hour or more, and we'd finished. Well, that's that. Everything in order, Mr. Brand? Yes. You're not exactly the trustful type, are you? No. I'm glad Pierre didn't try to shortchange you. So you should be, Mr. Lyme. How's that? I don't take kindly to that sort of thing. A courier who once delivered a package of diamonds to me was foolish enough to replace several of the best stones with paste imitations. Oh, what happened to him? No one seems to know. He just, uh, disappeared. Hmm. Yes. But surely if Pierre were to weigh in light, you couldn't very well hold me responsible. I could. And would and will, Mr. Lyme, if such a thing ever happened. You don't think that's kind of unreasonable, old man? so, but then I'm an unreasonable man. Stop at the next pub, Jerry. It's time we had lunch. Very good, sir. Paris, a couple of days later, I told Pierre of our amiable little conversation in the car. I would not take too much notice if I were you. That's the sort of thing a guy does take notice of, if he's wise, old man. Lots of people like to talk that way. Maybe, but this one wasn't kidding. In any case, what is there to worry about? Why wouldn't I worry? 
Well, got to make one mistake and I'm for it over. I do not make mistakes. Well, if you don't want to have a look for a new parachutist, you'd better not. That's all. In the next three months, I made two more parachute jumps, and each time I had the doubtful pleasure of the company of Mr. Brand on the way back to London. I can't say I warmed to him as I got to know him better. Meanwhile, in Paris, things are becoming a little complicated. Louise and I were seeing a lot of each other, and suddenly I realized she really was carrying a torch for me. No kidding. Vice versa. Well, I mean, what could I do? Hard to be the act of a gentleman to ignore a thing like that, would it? Well, not to make a long story of it, Pierre went out one night on some kind of business, and there we were, alone, Louise and I. Harry, do you remember that night we met? Sure. I think of it often. It could have been a wonderful night. Well, it uh, started out full of promise. You gave a swell performance, Louise. Do you still think I was only acting? Well, well, weren't you? From the moment you first spoke to me at the table, I knew this was going to be different. Different? There was such a warmth between us, such a, a natural sympathy. We were so much, how shall I put it, so much en rapport. You must have felt it yourself. Yeah, yeah maybe I did a little. Only a little? Well, oh, quite a lot. I knew what I had to do, and I hated myself for doing it. Even when we learned who you were, I hated having to pretend that what had happened between us meant nothing to me. I shall never forget that moment when you took me in your arms and we kissed. You know, Louise, if we're wise... Or change this conversation. It's sweet. Do you want to be wise, Harry? No, not particularly, but... But what? What about Pierre? I care less than nothing for Pierre. He's your husband, It is you I love. You alone. You shouldn't say that. Why not? It's true. I'm proud to say it. Yes, but... And you love me too, don't you? Well, Louise... You know you do. Let's go away, Harry, now, tonight. Think of the wonderful life we could have, you and I together. She was lovelier than ever, her half-light. Her black eyes were soft and tender, lips warm and red and inviting. I'd been Superman, I couldn't help myself right then. I took her in my arms, and then from the corner of my eye, I saw movement beyond the French doors. There was someone out on the balcony listening and watching. I'm not a suspicious guy. But something told me it was Pierre. I could almost see him reaching for his knife. I had to think and act quick. I let Louise go and turned away from her. Harry, what is it? Louise, we... We just can't do this, Louise. But... It wouldn't be fair to Pierre. Fair to Pierre? Pierre is my friend. Pierre's a good guy, and after all, there's such a thing, Louise, as common decency. And also, there is such a thing as love. That's just it, Louise. If ever I've given you the wrong impression, I apologize. I I do not understand. I like you, of course. I always have, Louise. But as for anything more than that... Are you trying to tell me that... I'm trying to tell you as nicely as possible that I don't love you. I don't love you. I see. I'm sorry, but there it is. And so you should be sorry, leading me on the way you have. Now, be fair, Louise. I've never said one word. One word? What do words matter? You've told me a thousand times in the tone of your voice, in your looks, in your touch. That's not so. That's not so at all, Louise. You've misrepresented my manner, Louise. What a fool I've been. What a fool. I believed you, and all the time you were just amusing yourself. When I assure you... You will be sorry for this, Harry. I do not forget. One day you will regret ever having met me. Louise! The guy who first said that about hell having no fury like a woman scorned knew what he was talking about. If I'd been wise, I'd have got out from under right then. But in the next couple of days, though Louise kept out of sight, Pierre seemed even more friendly than usual. 
As who wouldn't be after overhearing such a noble renunciation. Anyway, what finally decided me to stick around, however, was that we were all set for another mission to Alfred Moore. Who was I to turn back a chance of a thousand pounds? Maybe I wouldn't have been so anxious if I could have overheard a conversation that I now know was going on in Scotland Yard, in London. Well, what do you make of it? Postmarked Paris, scented stationery, obviously a woman's handwriting. Yes, but uh, the contents. Hmm, very interesting, I must admit. Yeah, but the point is, do you think what she says is true? Well, I couldn't say, old boy. Still worth investigating, don't you think? Even if nothing comes of it at all, it should make a very pleasant day, I think. Louise usually came with us to Cherbourg. For obvious reasons, she didn't this time. I was just as glad. As we flew over the channel towards England, I did quite a lot of heavy thinking. By the time we'd hit the coast, I'd made up my mind. Uh, Pierre, I think you ought to know this is my last trip. That's strange. Why? I had a feeling it might be. Oh, yes. yes. I think I'll stick in London a while. I'm tired of Paris. You've been a very close friend, Harry. We miss you, Louise and I. Well, we're bound to meet sometime in the future. I wonder. Does Louise know about this? Uh, no, I just made up my mind, old man. I just made up my mind. I see. Have you any message for her? No, I don't think so. Nothing special. Eh bien. I will just say you send your love. My love? Oh, sure. <clears throat> we must be over Alfred Moore by now, aren't we? There it is, just ahead. You have all the stuff? Yeah. You've checked your parachute? Yeah. All right, stand by. Here we are now. Give my regards to Mr. Brand. Oh, sure, sure. I hope you have a pleasant trip to London with him. <laughs> and for your own sake, I hope I have not made a mistake for once and shortchanged him. What's that? Hey, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Too late. I'd been on the brink, and as I spoke, Pierre lunged forward and shoved me in the chest, and as I topped backward into space, I could see that he was smiling. And it wasn't a friendly smile. And it seemed hours while I floated down. And why should I have any special reason for wanting to land? I knew by now exactly what would be waiting for me. My feet touched earth at last. It was a bad landing. I skidded and rolled over, and by the time I'd freed myself, there were two guys standing over me. This is it, I said to myself. I looked up. They weren't Brad and his assistant at all. The two fellows I'd never seen. Mr. Harry Lime? Uh, yes. We're from Scotland Yard. Oh. Oh, how, how do you do? You're kind of off your beat, aren't you? We would advise that you might choose this rather unconventional way of visiting England. <laughs> Advised? You mean we somebody... had a letter from a young lady in Paris. At least the writing suggests that she's young, and the perfume suggests that she's a lady. Swire de Noel, so my wife tells me. Get it, a sellout. She seemed to be under the impression that you may be carrying a rather large sum of money with you, in American dollars. I wonder what could have given her that idea. Now, you don't mind if we set you, I hope. Well, what happens if I do mind? I'm afraid we shall have to insist. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'll take the briefcase. You attend to Mr. Lyme's pockets. Certainly, old man. Ah, well, I must say you have a few packages here, and also neatly tied and sealed. Seems almost a pity. No, oh, what's the matter? Well, this seems rather a lot of trouble to have taken for a wad of brown paper. A what? Brown paper, Mr. Lyme. Look at it. Yes, and look at this. Yes, and this. In fact, it's all brown paper. Oh, so it is. <laughs> 
got it at once. Louise had spilled the beans to Scotland Yard in an anonymous letter, and Pierre dummied the packets knowing what Brand would do to me, the double, double cross. Only what they didn't know was that between them, they'd cancel the whole thing out and save my bacon. <laughs> funny, isn't it? <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Yes, I'm oh. afraid you have the advantage of us, Mr. Lyman. Oh, how's that? We don't quite see the joke. No, and I guess you never will. What happens now? Oh, just a few formalities. Uh, could I see your passport? Certainly, old man, certainly. I'm too glad to oblige. Yes. Well, it seems to be in order. That's fine. You gentlemen have to be driving back to London? Yes. Then maybe you give me a lift. Oh, with pleasure. Well, come along. Let's go, shall we? <laughs> Lime returns in just a moment. I still find myself thinking sometimes of Louise, the dark black eyes, the kissable mouth. I wonder if I'll ever see her again. If I do, I'll run a mile. I'll be with you again soon to tell you another of my adventures. Meanwhile, don't forget the old saying, all's fair in love and war, but uh, war is a lot less dangerous. going to do it for this episode of Orson Welles on the Air. If you want to hear more from the lives of Harry Lyme, find past episodes of this show, all the other podcasts, and everything else Relic Radio, visit relicradio.com. If like to help support this and all the shows, you can do so as well on the website. Click on that donate button. Your donations make all of this possible. Thank you very much to those who have donated. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again soon with another episode of Orson Welles on the Air. Orson Welles on the Air is produced by and for RelicRadio.com. Rebroadcast of this show without permission is strictly prohibited.